when I think about Wall Street, it's hard not to think about the way it's portrayed by people like Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, Eddie Murphy in Trading Places, or Don Cheadle in Black Monday. Today's guest is going to give us the real insight of what it's like to grow a financial firm. On the Night's Tale podcast, it's so crucial that we think about the process of what it takes to reach greatness in our craft, and that's heavily based on mindset. Mindset has proven to be like the guiding light of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Today, one of those entrepreneurs is sharing his story about how he built one of the fastest growing financial technology firms in the country. In this episode, he really breaks down the sacrifices that were required for him to build a financial empire. The cool thing is that it seems like he's just getting started. I'm really excited to share the inspirational conversation that I had with the CEO of Street Shares, Mark Rockefeller. So I did ROTC at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was born and raised in, uh, in Colorado, born in Colorado Springs. Uh, to a middle-class family there. Despite my last name, folks get confused sometimes. But I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a middle-class kid, so I've got to work, work hard for my money. There's no trust fund here. Um, went to school in Boulder, um, paid for with a with an ROTC scholarship, and uh, you know, just had a, you know, had a great time there, met some wonderful people, uh, and, you know, you've experienced this. Anytime there's mm -hmm. like a group of like military folks together, folks that are aspiring to be in the military, there's something magical that happens just in terms of like the bonds that are, that are yeah. forged. So, um, uh, I was a business major, uh, was a walk on the football team there. Um, oh, and nice. so, uh, you know, um, was exempt thankfully from some of my PT on, <laughs> on the military side because of football. So that was nice, but I was, you know, I, I was a true walk on. I, I, I kind of describe my experience in, in college football as being like the movie Rudy without the glorious ending. That was sort of <laughs> pretty much my experience. Uh, but did that for a couple of years, did RTC commissioned. Um, and then for some odd reason, I got assigned to mostly bases that begin with the letter B. I don't know why this is. I'm not sure what the algorithm at the Pentagon was. Uh, but I started off at uh, Brooks Air Force Base in San Antonio. I was there for a couple of years. Um, then actually came back to, um, uh, to Colorado for a grad degree program. Uh, and then got sent to uh, Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana. Hmm. And then Baghdad. And then back to Colorado for Buckley Air Force Base. Uh, yes. And that was my last base. Uh, so in all did nine years, uh, principally as a JAG lawyer uh, and mostly on the prosecution side. So I was a JAG lawyer, mm. uh, prosecutor, um, international law advisor, some other things. Uh, certainly my time in Iraq was the most interesting time that I had. I <laughs> uh, did a very brief stint at the Pentagon uh, and then got out in 2011 and then moved to New York City and did the Columbia thing, as you mentioned. That's awesome. So um, during your transition, what was your what was your mindset like? Were you excited? Were you happy when you got out? Or what was what was that like for you? I think like a lot of veterans, you're excited for the future, but right. there's a lot of uncertainty. And, <laughs> uh, you know, for better or for worse, when you're in the military, it is a bit of a of a crutch, right? It's a bit of a cocoon because like, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, that BAH will come, that BAS will come, yep. you know, healthcare is covered, <laughs> right? You know? Um, and so anytime you leave those things behind, there's a, you know, there's a risk, there's a risk. Um, in our case too, we were picking up my family and moving to New York city, which was a big adventure mm. for us. You know, we had a couple of young kids and all that. Oh, wow. And so moving this, you know, 
living in the city for the first time with, with young kids. I mean, all of that was an adventure. Uh, we had PCS multiple times, as most folks in, in the military had. So we're certainly <laughs> used to, you know, picking up and moving on a dime. Yeah. And so um, I'd say I was, I, was, I was excited. I was confident. But there was that little bit of sort of apprehension around the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine that a lot of folks, when they transition, feel those emotions. Right, right. So when it came to street shares, how did street shares come into the picture? Um, was that something that you practiced during your during your program in Columbia? Not really, not really. No, I um, out of Columbia went to work at uh, the Washington D.C. office of a Wall Street law firm called Milbank Tweed Hadley McCloy, and it's kind of a um, uh, kind of a white shoe Wall Street law firm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's banks, it's hedge funds, it's that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the military, I felt like I was doing good in the world, right? Like, like I authentically felt like I was, you know, kind of the white hatted person doing, you know, you know, doing positive, good things in the world. Right. But the, but the pay is, is so, so right. (laughs) And then when I was doing the wall street law firm thing, the pay was really good, but I didn't, 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 didn't feel like I was doing any good in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we like represent like, you know, one hedge fund who's like fighting with another hedge fund over some pool of money. Right. And, um, you know, you you do well by your client. You do the, you know, you know, best work that you can. It, it was a very, very good law firm, extremely smart lawyers. Um, but there's a social impact side to it that I felt in the military that I didn't there. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to sort of do good, do well. It's one of my you know, yeah. one of my sayings, one of my hashtags. Right. Do good, do well. Um, meaning. Yes, I, you know, I want to make a good living. I, obviously, everyone does. But I want to do it in a way that you know, positively impacts the world. And I felt like I wasn't doing that you know, there. Mm. So um, I've always been entrepreneurial. Like I've always been sort of like starting things on the side and like yeah. you know, little, little side hustles and whatever. Um, and um, met my co-founder uh, in February of 2013. And he and I met at a Bob Evans restaurant, which is like a, like a Denny's basically, right? <laughs> Here in Northern Virginia, in Oakton, Virginia. And we met and just began to sort of, you know, kick around some ideas. And I'm sure you've experienced this where it's mm-hmm. like, you're like on the same, you know, wavelength as someone. And it's yeah. just like, there, there's an energy and excitement that comes to ideation. That's just, a, you know, it's a lot of fun. And so we realized, my goodness, we're going to, you know, you know, we have to go do this. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the idea was, you know, changed and shaped over time. We would call a lot of very, very smart people, advisors, and be like, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? Right. And, uh, you know, it, it was several months where it, where, it, where it sort of evolved. And then we got to the point and we're like, let's do this. And mm. so, you know, I left my job. He left his. Um, and this was true entrepreneurship. Like this was risky stuff, mm-hmm. right? We, you know, we both have like, you know, nice homes in Northern Virginia and big families. mortgages and all that families. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Both of our mom, our, our moms, our wives, incidentally, are, um, mostly stay at home moms. Oh man. We yeah. both have like multiple kids. So like, we're the, we're the sole breadwinners, man. You right. Know? And <laughs> you know, you know, you leave a well-paying, comfortable job and launch out to start something literally in my basement for the first mm. year and a half, right? Mm. That's, that's scary stuff, right? Yeah. That's scary stuff. But my wife w- was adventurous. You know, we had done the military moves before. So she's like, you know, honey, I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, and so we did. Uh, and so one of the stories that I, that, that I tell sometimes is we actually went uh, like a week, no, couple of nights actually before I actually left my law firm job and 
uh, we put out some um, um, applications online for credit cards. Mm-hmm. And we must have taken out $150,000, $200,000 worth of credit card borrowing capacity. No oh, man. Because I had a good salary from the law firm, so I would qualify for that. Right. My credit score was still good, right? Right. It wasn't going to be forever as an entrepreneur, <laughs> right? Um, and so I like I like wanted that sort of borrowing capacity to have as a as a bit of a you know you know right. you know, a bit of a crutch, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll tell you, we used almost every dollar of that, almost every dollar of that. So <laughs> nice. uh, you know, th- this was true high risk. You know, if this doesn't work out, we got to sell the house and move the kids out of their school type mm-hmm. type type risk that we took. So it was it was a real deal, yeah. That's amazing, man. So there's so much to unpack there. Um, so I'll do this first. If we rewind back to when you joined the law firm, um, you mentioned um, being from like a middle, middle class family and stuff like that. Yeah. How did it feel to to talk about millions and billions of dollars? Was that a mindset shift for you when you got to that stage in your career? It was a little bit, yeah. Um, I had gotten a little bit of that in the military. I think anyone okay. who comes from, from, from like a middle-class family and then their job in the military involves them managing you know, millions of dollars, that's mm-hmm. usually a shift, yeah. right? Um, right? And a lot of us in the military, the first time that we've dealt with millions of anything you know, <laughs> is, is an act of duty, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, so you're sort of you know, like doing contracts and that kind of stuff. You're kind of like around right. you know, those things a little bit. And then um, at the law firm, I mean, it, it was a whole other, you know, level, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a caliber of people. I mean, they're just just extremely smart people, and your clients mm. are very sophisticated. I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's the real deal. So. That's amazing. So um, when you talk about that fear, when you're making that transition, a lot of people say fear is false events appearing real. And I think one of, you're one of those people that you know just made it work. And of course, you had um, well, fortunately, you had your wife who's standing right by your side. Yeah. Um, holding it down, down, as we say, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you were going through that transition, what are some of the things you were thinking, um, or, or on a daily basis, what were you, what were you doing on a daily basis to make sure that this dream actually worked? So, um, I had this mentor in, uh, college, kind of a, kind of a, um, spiritual mentor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he had this saying that you should, you know, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. Mm. Right. Um, and I've always liked that. Right. Yeah, that, you know, amazing. you know, you know, God will bless what you do, but you can't sit on the couch. You of know, course. you got to go to work. Got to go yeah. to work. And hard work has <laughs> never been, you know, an issue for me. I, I, I'm, I'm just sort of, you know, some folks are just like wired to just 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 grind and crank. Yeah. And I'm one of them. Right. Uh, you, you know, you are, too. A lot of entrepreneurs are. Right. <laughs> um, but this was like hard work with a huge risk, mm-hmm. you know. When you're in the military, we all work hard because it's the right thing to do, right. and there's a mission to get done. Right. In this case, if this didn't work, I mean, my you know, you know, my kids are now in trouble. You know, how do I feed them? What do I do? Right. <laughs> right. And so um, the stakes of it went up quite a bit, and that was very clarifying. That bumps up against it. The cha- so like the 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 incentive, the stakes are high. It's there, right? Mm-hmm. The challenge is, as a brand new entrepreneur, you don't know exactly what to do, right? Yeah. Right. So you're, you know, starting some new venture. Uh, you know, you've you've got a plan. There's market research. You're hiring employees. You're, mm-hmm. you know, talking to customers. Whatever it is, um, none of us really knows what to do until you've done it. Right. It's why like right. second and third time entrepreneurs usually have their big wins in their second and third ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you make every mistake in your first one. Right. <laughs> 
Um, you know, we've made some mistakes, not, not, not the big ones, thankfully, um, mostly because my co-founder and I were just very good with our communication. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And so, you know, together we just, you know, found our way, but, it. um, day in, day out, uh, you know, begin your morning with, you know, perspective, which for me comes from sort of, you know, prayer, meditation, contemplation, just like, you know, understand your place in the world. Right. And, you know, there is a God and I'm not him. Right. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I kind of start with that every day. Um, and then uh, because we didn't exactly know what to do at every step along the way, uh, I had a very good team of advisors and, and, and mentors who would sort mm. of coach me through. Right. Mm. Um, I call it sort of your like own personal board of directors. Yeah. If you treat yourself like the startup, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, Robert Woods is a startup. Mark Rockefeller is a startup. All right. Who's your board of advisors. Right. And so I've got a team of advisors that I go to for different things. Um, hand selected, very, very experienced, top notch mm. people that will advise me on certain things. And so, mm. you know, between them providing some guidance um, and a really good co-founder to sort of work through it together, we got it done. That's amazing. So, and you, I'm, I love the fact that you mentioned your co-founder a couple of times. How important was it um, for you to have him by your side as well? Essential, essential. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I had a certain skill set. He had a certain skill set. We overlapped a little bit mm-hmm. and we understood each other's language, right? Yeah. We both understood finance, both understood you know, the law. Uh, but he has some, some extraordinary strengths that, you know, I don't have, and there's some, you know, some things that I do. And so, um, you know, it was a, uh, it's something that could not have been done. I think with one person, there's no way. Yeah. Um, and by the way, finding a co-founder is like finding a spouse. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, it is right. It's that important. <laughs> You're about to go down a mutual goal together. Mm-hmm. Your success will depend on each other. Your lives are now legally and financially intertwined. It is just like a marriage. Mm. And so honestly, that kind of like thought and vetting went into it. I mean, it was, a, you know, you know, it was a pretty serious thing. It wasn't that we just, you know, decided one day. I mean, it was, um, we actually treated it a bit like, um, uh, like dating. It was kind of funny. <laughs> we met and clicked and actually like both called our wives and we're like, I think I found my co-founder. And then we started this process of like getting them together. The four of us would like go out and have dinners and whatever. I mean, it was a, you know, sort of like a meet the parents sort of thing where you, uh, so nice. you know, where you have, to, you have to build trust over time. Right. right. Of course. Um, and you know, that, that, that took a few months to do. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when it comes to this journey here, um, how did it work for the first couple clients that you had? What was that picture like? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> There's a model from a guy named Eric Ries, um, uh, the lean startup model, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a great book out there about it. And it's basically that you want to like talk to 100 people, you know, show them your initial prototype or your widget, get their feedback, talk to 100 more, right? <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, that it's all about sort of getting out there to the, to the customers first. Right. We did a good bit of that, but probably not enough. Right. Mm-hmm. So like a lesson, if I could do it over again, would have been to talk to more people earlier on. Mm. I think we felt like we had a vision of something that we wanted to do. That thing had never been done. Mm. And so we felt like we just kind of have to do it and get out there. No one's going to quite understand it until they get to, <laughs> you know, get to see it. Uh, right. Our first 12 like test financings that we did were literally $100 loans to people that we knew. Mm. 
So that way, if we screwed it up, we could just like give a hundred bucks and make it right. 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 <laughs> and, um, you know, it took that to sort of get people in testing our system, making sure that, you know, all of our tech worked and all of that. Hmm. Um, and then one day you're like, all right, let's go, let's go public, you know, trading wheels off pilots over. Right. Uh, and you get out there and, and you do it and then you sort of turn on the machine and you all sit there and watch and, the, you know, <laughs> customers begin to trickle in, begin to happen. It's pretty exciting. That's amazing. So when you talk about your customers, are they typically new entrepreneurs or people that are experienced and have a few uh, wins under their belt? So they're typically um, folks that have been in business for at least a year okay. and they've got some cash flows going, right? So we do small business loans. Uh, our initial focus was on the military veteran market. Uh, mm-hmm. That is still the heart and soul of who we are. I think uh, about 80% of our loans uh, have been to uh, um, uh, military veterans and a lot of the sort of balance of 20% has been to spouses. So that's still sort of the heart and soul of who we are. Um, we're now taking our technology and letting banks use it mm. so that they can sort of do what we do now as well. And so it's, you know, you know, that's sort of expanding a bit outside the veteran market, but our heart and soul is still there. And, um, you know, for me, it was a population of folks that I really cared about. Uh, but we've got to sort of balance that risk with, we've got to make good investments. Right. And right. brand new startup companies are just highly, highly risky. Right. Right. And so what we do is, uh, uh you've got to have a minimum of one year in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we can, we can typically work with you. If you're a government contractor with contracts, we can, we can sort of waive that element of it, but it, but it, it's, it's typically one year in business with some, you know, some revenue and cash flows coming in. Nice. And so when it comes to your day to day now, where you are, um, how does it feel to, to actually live the dream that you thought of a long time ago? I don't feel like I'm living the dream, right? <laughs> because it's just, a, I mean, it's a hustle and a grind every single day and of it still is. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think at some point we'll get there where it's, where it's not, and you can sort of like, you know, um, we're not there, right. We're still very, very much in the hustle, in the grind. What's fascinating is like how, <laughs> how, how different, you know, um, we started in my basement with seven people, right. right? Like yeah. literally in my basement, right. Being a part of a team that size, that informal is, has one dynamic to it. Mm-hmm. We now have over 50 in, you know, an office here that you saw. It's pretty nice, right? Yeah. And there's been three or four steps in between. And so a seven-member team in your basement has a totally different sort of character and nature than a 15-member team in a crummy office, than a 30-member team in a crummy office, and then a 50-member team in a nice office. They're all just very different. And so it's been like one massive learning experience for me. Uh, I don't feel yet that we've arrived at, you know, I don't feel like we're, like we're done. Uh, I still, you know, still feel very, very much like we're just in the middle of the grind. And, mm. you know, it's the exact same thing that you do. You know, you get up every day and you yeah. hustle and you right. take care of people and you provide value and you do the very best that you can. And you keep doing that for a, for, for a while, for a while. Right. And it's harder than you expect. It takes longer than you expect. Right. But that's <laughs> the game. That's the game. Right. So when it comes to the execution of your goals, because this, this was one of your goals, um, how do you start yeah. your day? Do you, you said you started with introspection first and then you, do you have a task list and like, how does, how does it work? How do you do it? Yeah. I will typically try the night before to lay out very clearly. What are the key things that you got to do the next day? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, people have different models for this, right? There's the rock model, you know, you do your big rocks first. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that we use here called wigs, wildly important goals. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a book uh, called The Four Disciplines of Execution. Hmm. And it's, you know, you, you like focus on your main, your main goals and then what your, if your goals are the product or the output of a, of a system, you focus on the, on the inputs, right? Like if my hmm. goal is to sell, you know, whatever, $100,000 of widgets this month, in order to get that, I've got to make this many sales calls. So I don't worry about the outcome, I, the, the output, I focus on the input because mm-hmm. that's a lot of meetings, a lot of calls, you mm-hmm. know, man, managing a board, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I, I'd say that I spend, there's usually, call it two or three deliverables from me each day outside okay. the team, mm-hmm. meaning a report, a deck, you know, a document that I'm drafting, mm. uh, an analysis, whatever it is, that are things where, you know, just like you, I'm like down at a computer, heads down for a couple hours, cranking something out. Right. I'll have a couple of those, but a lot of my day at this point is coordinating meetings, being on the phone, you know, leadership meetings with our executive team, that kind of thing. That's amazing. Uh, but, 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 but I'm still very much a coach, you know, player coach at this level too. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, I think there might be somebody in the, sitting in the dorm right now that's thinking, man, I, I think I could do something like this. Um, yeah. what, what would you say to them um, in terms of mapping out their goals and trying to figure out how to actually get to the next level? Yeah, yeah. You have to start, right? You have to start. Like you've got to take your passion and add some activity to it. Mm-hmm. I actually get, I, I get annoyed in sort of the entrepreneurship circles because it's all about passion, right? Passion this, passion that. Like, <laughs> lots of folks have passion and, and they don't do anything with it, right? right? There are folks, you know, at home right now on their couch, you know, binging <laughs> Netflix or yeah. playing video games or whatever with passion, but they're not doing anything with it, mm. right? You have to ha- add activity to your passion, mm. right? So, you know, passion by itself is worth nothing. Yeah. Passion plus activity all right, now you got something. Passion plus activity plus strategy plus time, you got a business, mm. right? So that's what takes you from being like a entrepreneur to an entrepreneur. <laughs> and um, that's the hard part, frankly, right? Anyone yeah. can be passionate about stuff. Like that, that's easy. Anyone can mm. talk a big game. That's easy. Yeah. It's the like, you know, disciplined, organized, like planning your day, figuring out what those things are that you got to execute on. Mm-hmm. And then getting up every day and doing it. That's the hard part. And that's where, you know, a lot of folks run around and say they're entrepreneurs or they want to be or whatever, <laughs> you know, until you're like executing, um, you know, that, that, that's the hard part, right? You know, you, you know, you're executing every single day with your, you know, with your, uh, uh, your podcast, right? I, I'm executing here. Yeah. Uh, you've got to add activity to your passion to have it, have it be worth anything. Of course. Well, that's those are wise words uh, spoken from a hardworking man that has to go. <laughs> yeah, you, you too, Robert. You too. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, um, Mark, thank you so much for being on this podcast. And um, do you have any final words for for anybody listening? For your veterans who are out there who are thinking about starting something, mm-hmm. right? Um, for me, I waited until the risk of inaction became too great. Right. Mm. That is, I was, I was what, 36, I think when I left to start this with my co-founder and, you know, it was at a point where I was like, if I don't do this now, I'm not going to do it. I've always wanted to start a company. Now's my, you know, now's my chance. Right. Right. Um, I would suggest that folks do it as early as possible. Mm. Right. And as often as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And be prepared to fail, to fall down and just get back up and try it again. Um, 
you know, we're, we're succeeding on our first startup. That's an amazing thing. Most folks don't. Right. And so get your first failure out of the way, you know, <laughs> and you're, you know, and your first one, maybe something really small and that's, that's perfectly fine. You learn things. So I would not hesitate to start, take that passion, add activity to it, add a plan, add a strategy add time, right? There's, there's, there's no substitute for that. Uh, you know, but you got to get off the couch and get off Netflix and do the <laughs> hard work that it actually takes. Right. Of course. Of course. Well, Mark Rockefeller, thank you again for being on the nice. Nice Tale podcast. Hope you have a good day. Thanks, Robert. I've enjoyed it. Take care. You too.